0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend Figuring it out Come on around back Arizona Saturday morning 8 o'clock The outdoor living hour of Rosie on the house Saturday morning tradition Since 1988 If you're following along In your homeowner handbook you know today We're talking urban farming Farmer Greg's in studio And we're talking guilds and fruit trees And we've been asking ourselves all week long, Farmer Greg, what is a guild? What is a guild? Well, that's what we're going to discover today. Was that a typo? Was it a (laughs) guad?
1: No, no, no. And uh, they are fun to do. And, uh, you know, a big part of it, and I'll let Kristen jump into this here in a minute, but a big part of it is just letting nature be, you know, planning the way nature works, which you all know if you've listened to this show, I'm big time into this thing called permaculture. So we'll talk about that today, too. But to get started, Kristen Parsons is a native Texan, went to college in Kansas and ended up in Arizona in 2004. She's been gardening, raising chickens, planting fruit trees, and constructing buildings ever since. She completed her permaculture design course in 2015, and since then has been focusing on local food system development and permaculture. She lives on a half-acre edible landscape property that has over 75 fruit trees in Scottsdale. She and her business partner, Melissa, run Cultivated LLC, a company that provides hands-on workshops, freeze-dried food, and locally grown flowers. How cool is that? Welcome to the show today, Kristen.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Greg and Rosie. Team, everybody, it's such a pleasure to be here.
0: So, Greg... Has brought you in to explain what is a quad. <laughs> <laughs> no, guild. The, I the run burning now. question.
2: <laughs> yes. And I mean, perhaps it's due to my design background, but guilds are one of my most favorite tools to use in the landscape. And most people have heard about companion planting, but guilds are like companion planting exponentially because it is an entire miniature ecosystem centered around a main tree that is usually a fruit tree. So that's why it ties in so well to what Greg's doing with all the fruit trees is it takes what he's started and gotten everybody encouraged to plant the fruit trees and then it it helps you to round out that ecosystem and there's so many benefits that we're going to talk about and and other things that um, are great reasons to give it a try.
0: So in Farmer Greg's you know, uh, little bio that he was reading, I heard seventy-five fruit trees. Do you have seventy-five guilds on your on this property? Is, is each one its own?
2: It, it some I have multiple trees in the same guild. Okay, um, you can be very flexible with it. I have some guilds that don't have all seven components, um, but there are seven components to a formal guild and um and there are certain parts of a guild that can perform multiple functions so there is a lot of flexibility you can completely personalize it to whatever you want but yeah basically my entire half acre is an edible landscape because of the use of guilds and so there is not a designated garden area of my yard if you see the landscape that is the garden Seven components.
1: Can we go through them? Absolutely. All right. Well, hold on. Let's, let's, before we jump in there, let's talk <laughs> about a couple other things. Okay. First. They're so, excited to hear about that. <laughs> why are they so powerful? Why is a guild such a powerful thing to do in our yard?
2: Okay. Well, if you think about a traditional garden, it involves a lot of human interaction, right? Mm-hmm. Usually, there's neat little rows, and you've got to be weeding, and you've got to be doing all kinds of extra work. And it can become quite a chore, even though it's very enjoyable to be out with nature and um, spending time with the plants. Like, it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But if you employ a guild, it's less work because you're, you're designing the layout so that different plants perform different functions. And the benefit of that is it can kind of self-sustain. And then the only needed human interaction is for harvesting, really. And that's the fun part, right? That's what we all want to do. (laughs) Right. Well, so
1: what I hear you saying is that my urban farm where I lived for 32 years, third of an acre near 16th Street in Glendale, was one great big guild. Yeah. Because what I would do pretty much just was harvest food. Exactly. You know, I had about 80 fruit trees on the property. And there were things that grew, uh, you know, tall above them and Mm -hmm. things that grew underneath them. And so it's a a self-managing process is
2: yeah it's i mean it's magical once you notice the ecosystem balancing Mm -hmm. and so um you know we talk a lot in permaculture about observing Mm -hmm. right yeah and um and knowing several other gardeners there's all these instances of oh man the grasshoppers are terrible this year you know and i noticed in my own yard yeah we had more grasshoppers than usual but because of those guilds and because of the components of those guilds, mainly the attractors, right, mm-hmm. I have abundant wildlife in my yard. So I have a bird population that was eating the grasshoppers.
1: Oh, nice. And so
2: I didn't have to do anything, but watch. It was very entertaining. <laughs> I, so was I think that's for the birds. <laughs> I think
1: that's probably what makes this such a powerful concept is that you set systems up that nature manages your process, not you.
2: Exactly. There's no need for chemicals. There's no need for, for any additional interaction once you find that balance. And so the benefits are everything comes alive and, and you get more yield and you get more of everything and a, and a, and a beautiful landscape on top of it. And then most of it's edible, which I mean, is just such a treat, but, um, you know, it's, it's one of the most powerful tools in permaculture, but it's one that isn't discussed very much because it can be intimidating and it can mm-hmm. be complex. And so I'd like to try and, and go through those components and, and kind of make it simple. We're going to talk about some plants that are specific to our climate mm-hmm. here, um, but it can be adapted um, to, to other parts of the state that have other growing climates and, and the country, really. But if you just Google a guild you're probably not going to get something that's going to work here in the right.
1: desert. So the, the actual definition of a guild is a beneficial grouping of plants and animals?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's really kind of the whole little mini ecosystem. But yeah, mm-hmm. a, a group of plants that are, were designed to work together as a team. Go team!
1: <laughs> nice. So we've been talking about permaculture as also. Can you define what that is for you?
2: Oh, and I love how you said for you, because (laughs) everybody has a different, slightly different version of permaculture. And so for me, and I've touched on that a little bit already, for me, it is quite literal, permanent agriculture. Like my yard is my garden. Like the landscape is not divided up into ornamental versus functional. It can be aesthetically pleasing. It can be beautiful. While also serving the purpose, and so it's i to me I think it's the great solution because it's not overly complex, it just is right now
0: a half acre mm-hmm. i'm so I'm assuming the rest of your neighbors are all half acre properties about yeah and Your house is probably, what, 50, 60, 70 feet off the front
2: drive street? No, I'm on a cul-de-sac, so the the house is tucked closer up to the street, and we have one of those weird pie-shaped lots, so it just kind of keeps going, and there's lots of different spaces. Um, You get different experiences and different microclimates in different parts of the yard.
0: So most of this is in the backyard. We don't have a whole lot going on in the front?
2: Correct. I do have some native guilds in the front yard because the front yard faces west, and so we've got mesquite trees, um, we've got
0: well, shade blockers okay, yes, for the house.
2: Exactly, exactly. So, well, oh yeah, I had to put the really tough plants out front, but it's there's still guilds. So there's penstemon underneath, there's prickly pear cactus underneath. I've got artichokes out there. It's oh nice. And most people drive right by and don't realize don't even notice. That it's all food. That's what I
0: was kind of wondering. Like, <laughs> if, if somebody does your house like stand out. Because there's so, you know, 75 fruit trees on this Mm -hmm. property versus that one, or, you know, could could you drive by and and not even notice?
2: Most people don't notice. I mean, there's things that are little giveaways, right? Like the wood chip mulch. (laughs) Instead of having a rock yard, there's wood chip mulch near the plants to cool the root zones, um, provide, that breaks down and and increases the life of the soil. And it does not attract scorpions. It does not attract termites. termites. So... That that might be a little hint. I've had a couple of people in the neighborhood ask, you know, what are you growing back there? <laughs> I'm saying, what am I not growing? <laughs> so
0: Jennifer has a great question, and I'm going to bring it up because you had you were talking about it before we went on air. So, so Farmer Greg, you know anybody that's heard our broadcast before knows that the urban farm was on flood irrigation. And yes, you're a big exactly. Fan of that. Yep, that's true. Are you on flood irrigation?
2: I am not. I am not. And I have built my drip irrigation system myself.
1: Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah, you can do this with flood irrigation and without flood irrigation. The key, if you don't have flood irrigation, is lots and lots and lots and lots of woody mulch. Yes, absolutely. The thicker the woody mulch, the better.
2: That is going to reduce evaporation and and allow the dirt to just hold that water. And so you're not just going to be losing it. And you can actually see the relief on the plants in the summer that have the mulch versus plants that don't have the mulch. Those, you can see the stress. So it makes a big, big difference. Gravel, I have a question. Absolutely.
0: Um, Not being the gardener, uh, I meet homeowners all the time about their kitchen and bathroom remodel. And then they start asking me landscaping questions. (laughs) I said, I don't know, you'll have to ask Romy. But one of the questions I'm asked all the time is where do I secure this woody mulch? Yeah, good question. So where how, how do you get that
1: Well, and where do you go? You can buy it or you can find somebody that will gladly give it to you.
0: Yeah. But that's a long waiting
1: line, isn't it? It could be. Answer
0: all the homeowners that are going to ask me this question in the next two weeks. Where do you get it? <laughs>
1: all right. So there's a website called chipdrop.com. And it basically connects you with... Chipping companies, companies that are managing trees and landscapes and gets them to dump it in your driveway. And sometimes it's a long wait and sometimes it's a short wait.
0: Can I take any wood at all or do I have to state I'd like this
2: you wood can, or that wood or this In wood?
1: In my world, it's all carbon-based woody mulch and I just take it all. And
2: Yes, w- absolutely. Yeah. All of it. Yeah, take, take what it. you can get. And because there's been studies, even oleander breaks down and exactly. is not no longer aliopathic.
0: Talking guilds and fruit trees with Farmer Greg and special guest Kristen Parsons from Cultivated LLC. I'm still very interested about all these components of a guild, but I we're going to save that for the next segment because we're we're actually going to talk about. uh, You're saying a guild can it be a tree or a cluster of trees? And you've got different specific uh, examples. We're gonna you're going to share with us.
2: Absolutely. So, uh, a mulberry tree is a really easy full sun tree. Mulberries are delicious. You can get lots of them from. Greg?
1: Yeah, and we still have some left on the lot this weekend. And they grow really, really fast. Mm -hmm. And they make amazing, and they are legal to have female mulberries. Thank you. I was going to say. (laughs) Yeah, we get that a lot. Aren't they illegal to keep mulberries? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, the male ones, they made it legal a long time ago. But when you look at the zoning code for Phoenix, Arizona, uh, it specifically says male mulberries. And we don't sell male mulberries. Male mulberries don't make berries, and the Pakistani male mulberry, or Pakistani mulberry has a about a three-inch-long berry that never
0: makes it into the house.
2: Right, that's my perfect breakfast. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and these mulberries, to create, uh, you know, you you can't plant the male one, but you don't need the male one to get fruit on the female one. Correct. Mm-hmm. I, and I tell people, and this is the
1: only way I've been able to logic it out. Um, I tell people it's kind of like you don't need a rooster to get eggs out of a hen. So the <laughs> some berry- people don't know that, Greg. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so, so the berries aren't necessarily fertile, but they you know, it still makes berries, and they make them prolifically.
2: Yes, they do. I actually think that this past year the birds got sick of them in my yard Mm -hmm. because i have planted don't
0: you have something else to eat lady i have yeah they're like what's next i'm
2: tired of this yeah (laughs) because i have four mulberry trees so on my property so
1: tell us about your mulberry guild what is that
2: well it's a nice large guild um i have since i have four different mulberry trees i have some that are separate i have a couple that are just the mulberries and the wood chip mulch and that's it and that's the guild and that's okay you know, we got to build this in layers, right? You Mm -hmm. you don't need all seven parts up front. That's the best part, right? The more you add, the better it gets. But I have enough other plants nearby that there's still benefits. And if you have a tree that doesn't have a real pest problem, like a mulberry is great because it's other than the birds wanting to eat your mulberries, right? Or your neighbors want to eat your mulberries. (laughs) like There's not really a pest that targets that tree. So You might not need all those same components, which is Mm -hmm. great because then it's a great shade tree. You know, you can put a, uh, you know, put a nice hammock under there sometimes and uh, enjoy the shade. So I have a mulberry tree that's a part of a multiple tree guild. Mm -hmm. Um, So and this is part of the fun, right? Because when I said companion planting on to the exponential, you when you're picking your understory plants that are going to support that guild, you're going to want to plant them where they're going to be happy, right? So I have artichokes on the west side of that mulberry because they can handle the afternoon sun. I plant um, onions and garlic under there. I plant sunflowers under there because it's up against my fence and there's not much to the east of it um, in that particular location. I've Mm -hmm. got some sugar cane under there, and then I do annual... Uh, flowers. That's the other great part about a guild is you can mix annuals and perennials together.
1: Sugar cane? Yes. That's, yeah, what, that, that's a newbie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was uh, – when she said that, I was like, wow, Before tell Greg us about that. Like, huh?
2: Yes, yes. Um, well, so I – my lot uh, backs a street, and mm-hmm. it's a very popular street uh, for walking and oh, such. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, a lot of my fruit trees that grow over the fence get picked, and I don't mind sharing with my neighbors, mm-hmm. you know. Um but it's it's been funny because the sugarcane just, it's really cool. It rustles in the breeze and everybody mm-hmm. is like, pops their head over the fence. What is that? What is that? You know, because it looks bamboo-ish, Yeah. you know, but it's just a really great kind of screen plant, I guess I would say.
0: And okay. So that was my question. What, what do you do with the sugarcane? What's cane? the function? Oh. I've seen them Juice harvest it, it mm-hmm. and they you have to burn it first. I'm not picturing you're burning your backyard when I you're harvesting
2: not, No. I No. Uh, <laughs> That's a good I mean, point. I do have a machete, but <laughs> <laughs> we just chop it. You, you, There's a press, and you can run it through the press, and it will juice it. So no burning required.
0: And so then what do you do with that juice? You use it as a sugar supplement? Yeah. Any, where you would use you know, granular sugar, you just
2: use the liquid? Yeah, I usually freeze it in ice cube trays so that I can use it later on. Because it's best fresh. Oh, my gosh, it's so delicious. Fresh. Um, but it doesn't stay long so i just freeze it. And uh, that was the other, you know, thing when you're growing all these things, you know, you got to get real creative with how to use it all or share, you know, right. share it with your community.
0: So, we've primarily been talking about the mulberry guild, but mm-hmm. you've got an apple tree guild to cover, a native tree guild, a multiple tree guild, and we've got like 40 seconds yep. before news break. <laughs>
2: Peach tree guild. Well, i mean, i guess what i want to convey really is that you can do this with any tree. You can even do this with an ornamental tree, but of course I'm going to pitch a fruit tree just because it's delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But the, the point is there's different combinations that can go with all those different trees. You're not limited.
0: All right. Very good. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the seven components. Now you said not all of your guilds have all seven, but uh, we're going to cover what those seven are. Uh, and, and their
2: functions. And yep. their
0: functions. And I'm just picturing, you know, if, if this is happening on a half acre, what if two or three of your other neighbors did the same thing next to you? And you I mean you've got an acre, four or five properties, you know, you've got a full acre of this harvest. honey. Farmer Greg's in studio talking urban farming, guilds, and fruit trees. Special guest, Kristen Parsons of Cultivated LLC. And uh, I haven't even mentioned the phone number. I've been very selfishly uh, asking my own questions. I apologize. <laughs> I didn't even, <laughs> didn't even hit me until bottom of the hour news break. If someone else has a question, you can join the conversation. one 767 4348 one rosie for you. You can also text questions to four one one nine two three. 923 Now, Hit me with it. What are these seven components for a guild? I know you've been waiting you got the, so patiently. I got the tree. I got one.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, you got the main Check. tree. The main tree, the pioneer plant. So when we're planting a guild, we're going to plant large to small. So the tree is a number one, right? Then the next one is the repeller. So and if you want to think about any plant that is nicely pungent, say garlic, mm. onions, even herbs, Anything with a strong smell, oregano, rosemary, Rosemary. that is going to actually serve a purpose that it's going to repel bugs that you don't want in your garden. They don't like that smell. We love those smells, right? Right. They don't so much. So the repeller is a very powerful thing because it's, uh, you know, saying, shoo, move along to those bad bugs that you don't want. Then we have the suppressor. The suppressor is going to help you reduce your need to weed. And that doesn't actually have to be a plant. As we discussed earlier, that wood chip mulch is a great suppressor. Yes. If you've got at least six inches of wood chip mulch, even if you do get a rogue weed, it just pulls right out because it doesn't have that stronghold. That taproot isn't in our clay soil. So easy weeding if you need to at all. But if you've got six inches of wood chips, you're not really going to have a problem with weeds, which is great because weeding is like the least fun Right. thing to do in the yard, well, <laughs> for me anyway.
1: The other thing about lots and lots of woody mulch, and I, I talk to people in consults about this all the time, you put down six inches of woody mulch, your dust virtually goes away.
2: Yes. That's so there's, nice. So there's that benefit and as well. And it smells amazing when we yep. actually get rain, like we've gotten rain recently, and I just go out and just take a deep yoga inhale in my yard <laughs> because it just smells so good. So... It doesn't always have to be a plant, but um, there are plants that will do that for you. Uh, Dichondra is a good one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sweet potatoes are a good one. Cowpeas. Cowpeas are a great one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, anything that's going to just be a ground cover is going to shade out those weeds. And also it provides a benefit in that it's protecting the root zone of that tree. So it's reducing the stress on the tree through our hot summers. Then we have the attractors. Those are the pretty ones. Of course, we got flowers. And you know, mm-hmm. I could talk for an hour about flowers. I'll refrain a little bit, but I have to talk about flowers a little bit because we have so many flowers that can grow and bloom almost year-round here. Yeah. I have flowers coming out of my yard 10 months out of the year, which is fantastic. And so the bees are happy. The hummingbirds are happy. The birds are happy. The butterflies are happy, and that makes me happy, just seeing all that in my yard. Plus, mm -hmm.
1: when I used to farm my yard here in Phoenix in the late 90s, uh, I would also harvest the flowers and take cut flowers to the farmer's market. And every week, the first thing that would disappear? Flowers. The cut flowers, that's right.
2: Flowers make everybody happy. Yeah. And the best part about locally grown flowers with no pesticides on them, Mm -hmm. is most of them are also edible. So most people that hesitate to buy flowers say, oh, it's just going to die anyway. And I say, well, leave it on your dining table for a week and enjoy the blooms, right? You get a benefit from from just experiencing being in their presence and then make them into a delicious meal afterwards. And so (laughs) it's not like it's got to go in the compost or anything, but... It also does well in the compost, too. So the attractors are great. That's what's going to keep your pollinators coming. Because your fruit tree bloom window Mm -hmm. is only a couple of weeks. Yep. And so you need those pollinators to already be in your yard, happy and there. And they'll be like, oh, look, something else is blooming for me to snack on. And then you get more fruit. So there's huge benefits to those attractors.
0: So that's number four. We've got the main tree, the repeller, the suppressor, the attractor.
2: Yeah, we are rolling through them. And then we have the fixer, right? It's not mafia-esque, okay? (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about nitrogen fixing, right? So plants need to eat, right? And so if there's available nitrogen in the soil, those plants are going to be happy. And there are legume-based plants that actually put nitrogen in the soil, that wasn't there before. And so your plants are feeding your other plants. That's exactly what we're talking about, that ecosystem helping each other out. Mm-hmm. And so um, fava beans, peas, vetch, even some Cow of our me. native trees oh, yes. are leguminous, right? So you get um, Palo Verde trees that make a, a bean that you can steam like edamame, if you don't know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And those are delicious. And so the tree is also... Serving the dual purpose of also being the fixer. And so you'll notice like some of these dual purpose plants mean you don't need seven plants to make a guild, right? You can get away with four or five because you've got some of those. I call them like multifunction superstars. Those plants that are oh, doing, nice. I like that. <laughs> doing multiple things for you. I'm like, thank you overachieving plant. And then we have a mulcher. Number six is a mulch That's just a, a plant that's going to shed its leaves and provide living mulch in addition to the wood chip mulch. Like, yes, Greg.
1: Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> so one of the things that I did when I was here at the urban farm was I had my neighbors trained to bring me their leaves in the fall. Please, please, please don't rake up your leaves and throw them away. There is no way, first of all. Secondly, all those leaves have nutrients in them yes. that your plants need.
2: And our soil needs.
1: And our soil... Exactly. So...
2: Leave the leaves.
1: Leave the leaves. That's a really good little, way of putting it. A little
2: promotion there. Leave the leaves. And and then, you know, it, it's less work, too, to leave right? those leaves, exactly. which is really nice. I'm, I'm a bit of a lazy gardener. Most people think that I, you know, have a full-time job in my yard with that many plants, you know. But actually, it's pretty self-sufficient the yeah. way I've got it set up. So, you know, if you can... And that's another benefit of the woody mulch is because then it's not as obvious that there's the leaves because it breaks down really fast and it mm-hmm. just looks good. And so it's not, uh, you know.
0: So if it's not a tree that's the mulcher, what would be another plant that you could, you could use? Greg knows. Pick me, pick me. <laughs> uh, Cowpeas. Cowpeas are a bean that
1: is edible. It's edible as the bean when they're small and the pea that comes out of the bean can be made into flour and it's a nitrogen fixer. And what I used to do at the urban farm is uh, it, it, it loves to grow throughout the summer. And then in the fall, it dies back when it frosts and you just leave that stuff in place and it just makes mulch for the next year and the next year and the next year. And the nice thing about cow peas is they are, They'll come back year after year once you get them planted and established. That was my next question. Will it come back or do you have to replant? No. That's the beauty of this uh, guild Mm -hmm. edible landscape thing.
2: I love plants that plant themselves.
1: Right? (laughs) Dozens and dozens of different varieties I used to
0: have at the urban farm when I lived there that would just come back year after year after year.
2: Nasturtiums are another one just like that. Now,
0: question. When you say you like plants that plant themselves,
2: that that is great. But
0: in in our orchard, I have to constantly be pulling out mesquite and palo Mm. because I don't want them. You know, we have a lot of both of those on the property. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some years we'll have a bunch of sprouts come up. Some years we will have hardly any. But I don't want those mesquites to overtake my peach, my apple. So right. I'm and my fig, so I'm I'm constantly pulling those out. Do you have to do on yours a lot of that uh maintenance? You're laughing.
2: <laughs> Only where there's rock.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: Oh, right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Only where there's rock.
2: Sorry to sound like a rock hater, but
1: we are.
0: You know we well, yeah, get that on the mulch
2: side. Yeah. Where it's mulched. Yeah. Gotcha. It's not nearly as bad on the mulch. Yeah. And again, like I said, if you do get one in the mulch, it pulls real easy. Whereas the ones in the rock, you've got to really you know you <laughs> know.
1: Plus, but- a lot of these are annuals rather than perennials. So the mesquites are perennials. Mm-hmm. We're talking annuals, the cowpeas, the sweet potatoes, the...
2: Sweet alyssum, nasturtium.
1: Yeah, they're yeah. all annuals. They just, they they run their entire life cycle in one season.
2: Mm-hmm. And if you leave them, they'll reseed themselves, and, and you won't mind that they've reseeded themselves. Yeah. I have a calendula forest nice. <laughs> in one part of my yard because I just, when, I, when they froze back I, or you know burned in the summer, I just kind of sprinkled the seed heads and I was like, all right, don't have to plant any calendulas yeah. <laughs> for next time. And this
1: is the lazy gardener coming out of oh, us.
2: I know, but you know what? That's, that's what we do, um, and, and we get an abundance anyway, don't we? Yeah, oh, yes. So the last one is the accumulator. So an accumulator is is a debated layer of the guild, actually. Some people are like, you don't need that. But you know what? Uh, anything that's going to help, I'm going to say, right? let's talk about it at least. So an accumulator is something that, so in your soil, there might be a bunch of minerals that may or may not be available to your main tree. Mm-hmm. That a lot of depends on pH. It depends on moisture. It depends on the health of the soil, Right. And the best part about the accumulator is it mines those minerals from the soil and gets them up into the root zone. They usually have a big tap root, right? And so they're going down there, they're getting the good stuff, and then they make it available to the other plants. Um, And they do it for you. And one of the best parts about... Some of the popular accumulators is their weeds, <laughs> like
1: so, in all, like in all caps yes, right there. Dandelions, that? dandelions. <laughs> that's right. And dandelions are edible.
2: Yes, and quite nutritious actually. So you know, they get a bad rap, but they're actually doing a lot of good work right. in the yard. So yarrow is an, an, another great one, mm-hmm. and yarrow is another one that will reseed itself and be happy everywhere. But you can make tea out of it edible flowers. So that's a great plant. And then amaranth, which is a grain that grows really well here. And uh, you know, that will probably also recede itself. Oh yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Well and and, you know, this whole notion of letting them recede themselves. What we have to do, our job in our yard is to make the soil plant and seed ready. Mm -hmm. Adding lots and lots of woody mulch. Don't throw away those leaves. Get them mulched. Adding compost and those kinds of things, you know, throughout the year. So that, you know, after 32 years at the urban farm, I had 18 to 24 inches of amazing growing topsoil on top of the rock, you know, Mm -hmm. underneath that was in my yard. And that just came from working with nature.
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing that our soil is lacking the most is organic matter. And most people just have it blown away and hauled away. Right. And it just breaks my little heart because I'm just like, that poor soil, it, it wants that. It wants to keep that and nurture it and love it. And, yeah. And I have places in my yard where I can stick a shovel in the ground and it just goes straight to the hilt, which is great. You know, yeah. I don't have to work hard to work the soil. Because of these practices, and then I have the places where there's rock or where it's been undisturbed soil for forever, and you put this shovel and it goes tink. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Learning about guilds from Kristen Parsons of the Cultivated, along with farmer Greg, the lazy farmers, gardeners. You know, <laughs> we'll take it. Self- Bring self-proclaimed. Bring it on, Bring it on baby. Bring it on home. Final segment here in the Outdoor Living Hour with Farmer Craig. And we've got of uh, the Urban Farm along with guest Kristen Parsons of Cultivated and we've been talking and you've been educating us on what a guild in our yard is. Uh, and a lot of people have them already. Didn't even know it. you know. So you, you know with just a couple more steps and mm-hmm. add the, um, we, we, the, the accumulator, add an attractor, add a suppressor, mm-hmm. add a repeller. You know, there's Very little that can be done in a lot of our yards to to bring it up to this concept Uh, that's very interesting. But what do you do with all of it? You keep talking about, you know, there's an abundance. There's more than you can consume. Do you just have a massive compost pile with all the
1: extras? (laughs) Well, that, that's the thing about nature. I've said this for years, that the only place that lack lives is between our ears. Because when I look at the massive amount of abundance of leaves, mm-hmm. of peaches, of apricots, of mulberries, of flowers that come out of our landscapes, it's sometimes mind-blowing.
2: <laughs> yes. I tell people I did it to myself. Like, I enjoy it. I planted a lot more than the average homeowner, and I realize that. But that's because it's my jam. My yard is my therapy. It's my gym. Like, it serves yeah. so many other purposes for me. So I hope that we've inspired people to round out those guilds so that they can just enjoy, mm-hmm. right? Because that's one of the best parts um, about where we live, right? Is so much of the year we get to be outside in it and enjoying it. And so hopefully that we've inspired some folks to round out those guilds and and also tell other people about the guilds, you know, and be like, hey, I learned a new thing you know, let's put it, put it into action. So the best part about all that abundance for, for me is that I have turned it into little micro income streams, I guess, and, and have changed my business. I used to do edible landscape design, but then after having my son and then coming back to it, I knew that I wanted to rebrand my business to be more of a lifestyle, right? Because like kind of urban homesteading is a whole lifestyle. It right? is,
1: absolutely.
2: And and preserving, you know, you, the worst thing is to grow something for a long time and then just watch it go bad, right? And so two years ago, two and a half years ago, I bought some freeze dryers. And I've always canned and I've dehydrated and I've preserved food in lots of different ways. But the freeze drying was kind of a new thing that opened up so many possibilities to me. And so now... I'm happy to say that I have a local grown freeze-dried food line.
1: Nice. It's Including
2: early in development. But
1: What do you freeze-dry?
2: So, uh, what don't I freeze-dry? <laughs> well, give us some <laughs> examples. Okay, so uh, you can freeze-dry anything other than honey or nut butters. Mm-hmm. You can even freeze-dry some dairy. I wish I would have known about that when i had a cow. Yeah, side note. Oh uh, yeah. So <laughs> cuz i was swimming in milk. But i all the fruit that we don't eat fresh gets freeze dried. The herbs get freeze dried and i'm freeze drying those herbs within an hour of harvesting them so they retain their volatile oh, oils. Yes. And a freeze dried herb is so much more potent than an air dried herb. Like it's amazing. It's so good. So i'm making botanical salts botanical sugars. I'm selling, you know, fruit powder and then um, flavored creamed honeys. So it's local honey, local fruit, uh, as much as we can because we've got it, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're using the freeze dryers to preserve it and then uh, turn it into products to share with everybody.
0: There's freeze
1: drying and then I like to vacuum seal. Um, Okay, now you went ooh. (laughs) Uh, Can you put those herbs in a vacuum seal pack as well once you freeze them?
2: Uh, I can. However, I do not have a commercial kitchen, so I would have to do extra work, extra legwork to make the health department happy if I was going to oh, be yes. a vacuum sealing. That, re- that requires an extra permit.
1: But somebody at home could.
2: Yes, if somebody at home wants to get into it, and then we'll have classes on, on all of that. So
1: So tell me about Cultivated. What, what will somebody experience if they come to Cultivated LLC?
2: Well, we just got a commercial space um, at, on the corner of 32nd and Shea in Phoenix. And it's uh, it's just a small little boutique workshop space. And we'll be able to garden at that space, too. So we'll have hands-on gardening classes. And we'll do citrus juicing. We have a commercial citrus juicer. So if you've got an abundance of citrus that you're looking at and you're thinking, how on earth am I going to juice all this by hand? Because I've been there. I know what it's like.
1: Ooh, 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 yeah. ooh. I'm so excited about this because uh, a <laughs> few years ago, Don Titmus and I bought a mesquite bean mill, and it was about fifteen thousand dollars. And the other thing we were considering back then was a commercial citrus juicer. Those are the ones that you you know you pour the citrus in the top, and it cuts it in half and juices it. Guess what? Cultivated LLC has one, we have and one. they will juice your citrus
0: for you.
2: We'll do a five-gallon bucket of citrus for twenty-five dollars. Nice. So as many five-gallon buckets as you want to bring. Will save you a ton of time,
0: and it doesn't have to be one. You know, like this is my orange tree, this is my lemon tree, this is my grapefruit tree. What we have found in our orchard is when we juice citrus, mm-hmm. we, mix we mix them, them up. together. Yeah. yeah, really. And it's like every time it, the glass is, di- you know, it's like every time your drink is different. It's like a surprise. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Bring some that lemon in. Bring idea. some lime in. Bring the pink lady grapefruit. Get the navel mm-hmm. orange and. We'll we'll juggle with the different sizes and a lot of the like you you can have a really acidy citrus mm-hmm. drink that yeah. when you mix them it takes that out yeah nice so we got about thirty seconds left if somebody's interested in you know planting trees mm-hmm. uh, the pop up. Nursery open. Fruit
1: Tree Pop-up Nursery open this weekend at fruittrees.org. There's a phone number on there if you want to call us for the location, but it's on the corner of 7th Street and Meadowbrook in Phoenix and we're open till 3 today and 3 tomorrow. Citrus and stone citrus fruit. is in the fall. This okay. is deciduous. Peaches, apricots, apples, plums, pomegranates, mulberries.
0: mulberries. <laughs> urbanfarm.org and Kristen, your website?
2: It's www.cultivatedllc.com.